All right, First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Again, it's awesome to see every one of you today as we're preparing, coming into Thanksgiving. And so if you're kind of new to this country, this is a, a, big, a big celebration that we have. It's, it's, uh, uh, unfortunately, for some, it's, it's kind of become the day before Black Friday. Uh, and so some of you are excited about that. Some of you are depressed about that and all that. But uh, I want to remind us that we are to be thankful. Amen? That we choose to be thankful. Amen? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Let's pray. Would you just do this? Pray this if you want to. There's no magic in this, but maybe open your hands up or put your Bible in your hand or something like that. Let's just prepare, prepare our hearts for God's Word. Amen? The Bible says the, the Word of God is living and active. So Lord, we, we in the name of Jesus, we come before you right now. We ask that the Word becomes alive to us, that you speak to us right now, that you refresh us, you renew us, and you help us, God, in Jesus' name. And Lord, we're open to the Word. We're open to what you have for us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I apologize. This earpiece is sticking weird, so we'll, I may have to ditch it in a moment. First Thessalonians chapter 5. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. Uh, it says this, Be joyful always. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Okay, now this sounds easy, right? Be joyful always. Pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances. That's pretty easy, right? Right? No, it's hard, isn't it, sometimes? Come on, right? Just nod your head. Act like you're here today. All right? So I need your help. Again, I'm an interactive preacher. I need you to respond with me, to me, uh, even if you act like you're, you're looking at me. And one last thing before we go. Can you also turn off your cell phone or silence it, please, or, or just throw it against the wall? Whatever you would like to do. Those are your choices. No, I'm just kidding. But if you would silence it and just turn it off or turn it off, one of those things. Uh, I want to talk about just for a few moments. Every believer struggles in these areas of, of prayer, of being joyful and giving thanks. Because we're humans, right? And, and, and this, these three things go against everything against our human nature. Our human nature struggles with being thankful, with, with being joyful and praying. Uh, and so, Paul the Apostle, you think, well, who is this guy, this, this guy who wrote this years ago? He has no idea what I'm going through. He has no idea what my life is about. He has no idea about the bills that I'm struggling with, or the medical things that I'm dealing with, or, or this broken relationship, or this strained relationship. He has no idea. Well, let me just throw this at you. He might have an idea in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, do I have it? It says this, it might be hard, but listen, to this is what Paul went through. He was writing this to the church in Thessalonica. He says, five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Now, so you think, okay, big deal. Now, let me, let me get, get this back to you. What they did was, the Roman soldiers and the Jewish guards at that time had this whip. It was called a cat of nine tails. Okay, and on that whip was nine pieces of leather with bone or metal or glass in it and they would, they would, they would beat a person, they would take their shirt off and they would, they would whip a person 39 times, save one. Okay, how, how many times did, Paul, did that happen to Paul? What's it say? Come on. Five times that happened to him. Five times. It says five times. Three, or I'm sorry. And then he said, I was beaten with rods three times. I was stoned three times. I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I've labored and toiled and have gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face the daily pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? 
who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn. So Paul was saying, I understand your struggles. I have been beaten. I've been shipwrecked. I've gone without. I struggle with, with fears. I struggle with temptations. He says, I understand that. And so what he was doing, he was writing this letter to the church in Thessalonica. They were under persecution. They were being persecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ. And he was saying to them, he, he was giving them these instructions. He says, and he says this in, in, in this letter to the, to the, to the Thessalonica, Thessalonica church, in verse 5, he, he goes through a list of things and he says, but in, in the three that I want to key into today is, be joyful always. Pray continually Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That sounds easy again, right? If you're listening this morning, I, I hope that the Word of God will help you to, to do these three things. To be joyful always, to pray continually, and to give thanks in all circumstances. Are you ready to stand up under persecution? Are you ready to make it through the hard times? Are you ready to get through this season of sickness or low provision? Then let's look at how God can help us to be joyful how to pray always and give thanks. Amen? Are you ready? So the first thing is, obviously, write this down. Be joyful always. Come on, write that down. Be joyful always. Say that with me. Be joyful always. Easier said than done, correct? Alright, the first thing from that, though, is, is real joy comes from a, a relationship with Jesus Christ. Real joy comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 11... He said, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? So Jesus was saying, he was saying, hey, I'm the resurrection and life. You might die, but you'll have eternal life. Now, Christians, sometimes we kind of forget about that. So maybe you do or you don't. What's the worst thing that could happen to you when you die? If you're a Christian, Nothing. When you die and you're a Christian, you go to be with God in His presence. You will live forever. We will all live forever, but hopefully the resurrection of life will help us. And we receive this redemption from, listen to this, the Bible says that we can be free from sin, Satan, and death. And so with that, in, in your circumstances, in your life, you can be joyful. Amen? We have nothing to fear because we are in God's hands. Think about that this morning. That exam that you're worried about, that tax bill that you're worried about, that doctor's report, that whatever you're dealing with, you're in God's hands today. And He will help you. So you know what? This world is temporary. Sure, it's tough. Sure, I've got to pay my bills. Sure, I have to do these things. But Jesus is in me. The Bible says that if we remain in Jesus, He will remain with us. Amen? And what happens is, is we get, guess what? We get disconnected or we begin to wander from Jesus we sang that wonderful hymn, Come Thou Fount of Blessing. And he was, the writer was saying, Can you bind my heart? Let your love fetter me because I begin to wander, Lord. If I wander away, what happens to us? We begin to fear. We begin to doubt. The enemy begins to speak to us. We begin to lose our joy. But if you remain in Jesus, even through your tough times, you can have a deep-seated joy, a real joy. Amen? You can have faith that can overcome the mountains. And you see, when believers' lives, were, when we're intertwined with Christ, when we're dwelling with Christ, in the lowest lows, you can make it. And in the highest highs, you can still make it. You can know that, hey, times get tough, times get better. That's just part of life. But I have this joy, this joyfulness that will be with me always. Amen? So we can, we can rejoice because, number one, we are saved from sin, death, and the grave. Okay? 
And then secondly, we have a purpose. We have, we have joy. We have a future hope. Isn't that awesome? And nothing that happens on this earth can overwhelm the power of God in your life. God is on your side. He cares for you. Okay, so you have this. The next thing is this. Letter B, and I've talked about this before, is looking for joy in the wrong places. You see, joy, listen to this. Joy transcends the rolling waves of circumstances, right? Life comes and goes, good times, bad times, thin times, thick times. They, they come and go. And if our faith, our faith is not anchored in Christ, and if we are always saying, oh, Jesus, make me happy, I would be happy if I was married to the right guy, if I was married to the right woman, if I had this seven-figure income, if I lived in this right house, if I just looked like this. And what happens when you don't have all that? Your joy is what? Placed on what? Stuff. Things. Temporary things. And when those things disappear, then all of a sudden you're like, where are you, God? I thought you loved me. Why don't you care for me? He says, I do care for you. I've given you Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that I will meet all your needs according to my riches and glory. And sometimes the Bible even says, it says that that you delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. And sometimes those desires are not all godly. He doesn't give us those ungodly desires. He gives us godly desires. But in the circumstances of life, if you're looking for joy in people, places, and things, you're going to be disappointed, right? Because those things sometimes fail. They break down. They go away. They, they disappear. But you see, we can enjoy those things, but our faith is in Jesus Christ. Amen? Your faith is in Jesus Christ, not in the toys of the world and the things that God has provided to you. Because listen, God says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. You ever been forsaken by a friend? You ever been forsaken by a job? Your car ever forsake you? You know, your car dies on you? That's, that's terrible. But God doesn't die on us. He doesn't leave us. Then the third thing is this real joy. Real joy is deep-seated. Real joy is deep-seated. Listen to this, Philippians 4, 4 through 7. This is powerful. This scripture, I put a lot of scriptures in there because scripture is what feeds your soul. Amen? If you've been here long enough, you know I, throw, I try to throw a lot of scriptures in there, sometimes like a machine gun, probably too much. But my mentality is the more scripture I can get into you, the better off you're going to be throughout the week. The better off you're going to be throughout the month. The better off you're going to be because the Word of God is going to begin to stick in your life. Amen? So here it is. Listen to this. This is awesome. Philippians 4. 4 says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. There it is again. I, I say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, Present your request to God. And listen to this. Here's what happens when you do that. And the what? Peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Turn off the news. Put down the newspaper. Get on your knees and say, God, here is my need. Thank you in Jesus' name that you're going to meet my need. Thank you for the peace that transcends all understanding. Amen? God is on the throne today. So you can have a deep-seated joy. There's, there's a statement that one of the associate pastors I worked with at, at one of the churches on staff at, his name was Tom Coker, he was our seniors pastor. And often we would sometimes in our board meetings and in the staffings we're talking about different things, various things, and he would often say, talking about a deep faith and, and people that were solid, he would say, they have, they have still waters that run deep. In other words, their faith is so deep in God that it, 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 it's, it's deep, it's, but it runs still, it runs slowly. And though the storms of life may come, and if you have a deep faith, your faith is deep. On the surface, it might be trouble, but down deep inside, underneath the top current, 
is a solid way, just a solid source of strength through Christ Jesus. And you see, if your faith is shallow and it depends on things and feelings, you're going to be blown and tossed all the time. But if your faith is deeper in God, when the storms come and blow, you're not going to be tipped over because you have a deep faith, a deep joy. And you say, you know what? Sure, the times are tough. Sure, I'm facing this sickness. Sure, I'm, I'm facing this eviction notice. Sure, I'm facing this, this and that. But God is on the throne and my faith is deep enough in Him that we're going to see this through. That is deep-seated joy. Amen? And you see, that's the kind of joy that you need to make it through. And then you can be joyful always. Amen? You've heard the statement, tough times don't last, but tough people do. Amen? And you see, we've got to get over this instant stuff. We've got to get over this feeling good all the time. You know, there's times we don't feel good. Right? Come on, right? Physically, you don't feel good. Mentally, you don't feel good. Emotionally, but spiritually, you know what? You are founded in Christ. And your faith isn't by feelings. Your faith is a volition of your will. I trust in God, no matter what happens. Amen? I've been reminded, I just finished up in my life journal just a couple weeks ago, Job. I don't like reading the book of Job. It's tough. I mean, especially when I want to be whiny myself. When I want to complain how tough life is, and I read through what Job went through. And then it says, and you know, his wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? And he says, are you crazy? And then his friends condemn him. They're just telling him how bad he is. And then, of course, Job, in, in this discourse, he says, hey, you know what? If God slay me, yet I will praise him. And if you read the end of the, the book of Job, it says that God blessed him more. He, his, his later part of his life was greater than his early part of life. And you see, we get so caught up in things that are our joys and things, and we get caught up in feeling good. And at the end of Job's life, you know, he lived longer, but things are greater for him. And you see, if you hold on and if you're joyful inside, if you have this joy inside, you can make it. Amen? So how can you be joyful in, troubled, in a troubled world? Well, first know that your future home is not on this earth forever. Aren't you glad for that? This is not your home. Christian, this is not your home. This is not your home. We are just passing through. Then we have the blessedness. Check this out. We have the blessedness of forgiveness. When you blow it, you can say, God, please forgive me, I blew it. The Bible says that in 1 John, he says, that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. Isn't that awesome? Oh, come on, church, that's awesome. God forgives you when you make a mistake. When you're cursing at your coworkers, when you're flipping people off on 270, when you're stealing from work, when you're doing other stuff you shouldn't, and you say, God, I'm sorry, I shouldn't do that. And he says, I will forgive you. I'll wash you now. Go and be free from that. That is awesome. That's awesome, amen? Come on. God, then it says He provides all our needs, and I said this earlier, He provides all our needs according to His riches and glory. Think about that. Everything that you need, He provides it. No, Pastor Stan, my job provides it, but He provided you with that job. No, my skills provide Well, He gave you the skills. I went to school for that. Well, he, if you want to keep going back and forth, I can just always go back to God. God is the one that's provided you with, with life and we need to honor Him and be joyful. Amen? And that we know that in this life, not only do we have life now, but we have a second resurrection that when we die, we'll be with Jesus forever. Amen? And finally, we also know that all things work together for the good of those who are called. The Scripture says it in Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him who have been called according to His purpose. I mean, right now, you should be like really joyful. 
jumping, shouting, bigger than the Redskins win, bigger than, than the Broncos, God's favorite team win. Um, whatever it is, you're, you should be shouting with joy. Amen? All right, amen. All right. Well, let's talk about, since you're really joyful now, let's move on to praying continually. This is an easy thing, right? Let Number two, pray continually. This is a hard thing. Everyone struggles with this. I want to let you know, even though you may have read the book by E.M. Bounds and Richard Foster, and there's lots of other prayer words, and you think, man, those guys, they must have like just loved prayer. And, and they would tell you they struggled with prayer. They struggled with it. And every one of us struggle with prayer. But we, the, the Bible says we're to pray continually. And how do you do that? Number one is this. Number, number A, letter A, in order for you to pray continually, prayer must become a devotion to you. It must be something you're devoted to. You see, because we become what we are devoted to. Let me say that again. We become what we're devoted to. If you know everything about the Redskins, you know, you know what size shoes they wear, you know what, what car they drive, you know, that, that means you're too devoted to that thing. And if you're not praying enough, I'm just going to be real nice to you as your pastor, then you're not devoted to it. Because there are times when I'm praying and it's just, I'm bored. There are times when I have to force myself to, to pray. But I'm devoted to prayer because I know it makes a difference. Because I know that I pray to God in heaven who hears me. He hears our prayers. Amen? You see, if, if we're feeding on fear, we'll be fearful and we won't have hope. But if we are feeding on God, we'll have faith through those tough times. Amen? So be devoted. If you devote yourself to prayer, you become more like Him. Solid, sure, righteous through the power of God. Amen? So devote yourself. In fact, Acts 2, 42 and 43 says this. Here's what the New Testament believers did. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. So you must devote yourself. This is not memorized, just memorized chanting over and over. This is a communication with Almighty God. You must be devoted to it. How many of you like your relationships? Three of you, five of you, whatever, okay. It is like a relationship with God. You've got to keep it up. You've got to keep talking to Him. You've got to listen to Him. Amen? The next thing I want to talk about, letter B, prayer is a privilege. Prayer is a privilege. Your prayers, listen, your prayers are heard and answered by the Creator of all things. You're like, so what, Pastor? Big deal. That's a big deal. The God who created everything in this known world and the universe and all the soldiers and all the galaxy... He hears your prayer. That's a privilege. In this age of everybody owes me, this is a privilege that God answers your prayer. And then it says this, I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures. Second Chronicles, we've read this plenty of times. If my people who are called by name, my by name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, he says, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their lands. God wants to hear from us he does hear from us. Let me read this to you. Maybe you're, maybe you're in a troubled spot. Listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and He heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit and out of the mud and the mire and He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. God hears you in your despair. Isn't this exciting? You're like, Pastor Dan, i got these bills, i got these issues. God hears you. Call out to Him. Expect Him to answer. Amen? 
The psalmist said he lifted him out of the slimy pit. He took him out of the mud. He put him on a solid place to stand. Prayer is a privilege. Amen? All right, let's have the next scripture. Amen. I'm getting some excitement from the sound room. That's awesome. You see, think about this. And again, I want to tell you there is only one God. And as Christians, we have the privilege to pray to the only one living God. And you see, other people of other religions, and I'm not against them, I want them to know Jesus, but they're praying to nobody. They're praying to an empty prayer wall. They're, they're praying to, to candles. They're praying to incense. They're praying to an idol. We're praying to Almighty God. What a privilege. Well, Pastor Stan, all roads lead to heaven. No, they don't. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said those words. And you see, not every road leads to D.C., thank God. And when you're in D.C., the roads are all over the place, right? So for you to say something like, all roads lead to heaven, that is illogical. Because all roads don't lead to the same place. There's only one road to heaven, and His name is Jesus Christ. And so the privilege is, is when you pray, you're praying to God the Father in heaven. And He hears you. He's compassionate. He loves you. And, and sadly for all the other people that have other religions, their gods don't hear them because they're made up people. Their images, their names. You are praying. What a privilege, amen? Prayer is a privilege. Psalm 91, 15 through 16 says this. He will call upon me. This is God says, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Isn't that awesome? Power, Pastor, move on. I'm tired of you bugging me. Okay. Praying continually is hard, but it always pays off. Amen? God is an awesome God. Prayer is a connection. Prayer is a connection. Let her see. Prayer is a connection. You see, just as having a conversation with a friend helps you with a connection, and the more that you're with that friend, the better you get to know, and the better they get to know you, and and you guys begin to share, and you begin to become stronger people. It's the same thing with the relationship between a parent and a child or a married couple. They, they grow stronger when they communicate well. When there's no communication, their, their relationship is going to be sad. And you see, when you and I are not connected to God, our relationship with Him, our prayer life is going to be sad. But when we're praying continually, now it doesn't mean driving down 270 to ice oh Jesus, thank you for... It, it just means every day you're praying on the, on the, on the belt while you're just thanking. It. it doesn't have to be 24 hours, 7 prayer. It can just be in the, in the middle, of, oh God, help me to have a good day today. Lord, let my presentation bring you glory and honor. Lord, let me do well in my class. And then pray, Lord, bless so-and-so, bless my teachers, bless my mom and dad, bless... You know, just, you can begin to pray that throughout the day. If you see someone in need, Lord, help them today. I mean, I, like I tell you this, when I see people who have car troubles along the way, I always pray, Lord God, help them. Help them. I see, you know, I'm coming down 270, I go up to, and I see on the other side too, someone, someone's car stalled. I'm like, Lord Jesus, protect them. Watch over them. Help them. I see someone who has car problems because I've been there before and I'm driving and I see their car stall. Like yesterday, someone, we were driving somewhere and there's a car that stalled in the intersection. I'm like, Jesus, watch over them. Provide the need so that their car can be fixed. You can pray continually. Do you see how that easy it is? I didn't have to stop. I didn't have to get the anointing oil in the name of Jesus. I didn't have to pray in tongues at the second. Sometimes I do, but I just prayed. You can pray continually. Amen? Isn't that awesome? You see, listen, when we pray continually, we have a connection with Christ, the Lord of all. Our bodies are here on earth. Think about that. You're, you're physically on earth, but your spirit is in heaven when you're praying. You're connecting to heaven. 
you have a spiritual connection. We are more than flesh and blood. We are spirit beings. And so when you're praying, there's a heavenly connection. Is that good? This should encourage you. The next thing, letter D, prayer is a weapon. Prayer is a weapon. Voting is important. Letting your voice be known. But church, we have a better weapon and it's called prayer. You can pray for God to break through things. And I have some scriptures for you and, and write these down. Ephesians 6.18, it says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid if you're Spirit-filled and you speak in tongues in, in your prayer time. It's okay. It's okay in this church because we're okay with that. During the worship time, during prayer, to pray in the Holy Spirit. We're good with that. We believe in that. You pray in English, pray, pray in your, your native language. Just pray. Pray with God's help. All kinds of prayers requests. Pray for other believers. Then check this out. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3-6. through 6, It says, though, For though we live in the world, we do not wage wars the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We, do, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So this is where when we pray, we say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I take captive this thought. Lord, I take that thought that's not a good thought. Or Lord, in the name of Jesus, I bind this work of the enemy. Or Lord, I loose this work. And that comes out of the next scripture, which I'm going to read to you, is then Matthew chapter 16, verse 19 says this, and Jesus was saying to Peter, upon this rock I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail. And he says this, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So in other words, I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to do this again. I know I do this often. He says, I'm giving you the keys that open spiritual things. Use them. He says, whatever you bind on this earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on this earth will be loose in heaven. So when you see injustices, you can say, Father, I'm taking the keys of heaven and I bind that injustice in, in my workplace, in my home, in my neighborhood, in the world. Amen? You have the keys of the kingdom of heaven and earth. And you have power in your prayer. When you, want to, when you see someone hurting, you say, Father God, I lose healing in them. I lose salvation. Or you see someone that's addicted to something and it's destroying their lives. Father, Lord, de- deliver them from that. Do you see how that you have prayer? Prayer is a weapon. When, when it seems like there's a constant attack on your family, you can say, I take authority over this attack in the name of Jesus because the weapons of God are mighty through God. Amen? You can pray like that. Prayer is a weapon. Then letter E, prayer. Listen to this. Prayer takes a long term view of things. In other words, prayer just doesn't always happen instantly. Prayer sometimes takes a while, right? Abraham, we've talked about him before. He had a promise from God. He continued faithfully to God and he was 90 years old before he had his first child. He was faithful. Joshua and Caleb were faithful. 40 years wandering in the desert. You need to be faithful in your prayer. Sometimes the, prayers don't, the answers don't come yesterday or tomorrow or next week, or next year. Sometimes it takes a decade or two. I told you the story about my dad. I prayed on my knees every night in bed before I went to bed for my dad, for his salvation. It took 13 years. I'd get on my knees. I'd cry out for my dad. I still, I'm crying out for a brother that needs Jesus. And God answered that prayer 13 years later. You've got to be faithful in prayer. Amen? You have to have the long term, the long view, the big picture thing. Hey, some prayers do happen immediately. Others, they take time. And because we have a heavenly connection, because we have that connection with God, you don't have to give up. You don't have to fail. Even though you may not see something happening with your eyes, God is working. Amen? And we must know that we win in the end 
And the enemy wants to make you quit. He wants you to be discouraged. He wants you to not pray. He wants you to give up. But God wants you to continue on. Pray continually. Always pray. Do you see the Scriptures? You doing good? And we know that God hears us. And you know what? And this bugs some of us. God's schedule is different than your schedule. How many of you figure that out? Are you still figuring that out? You know, I'm going to be honest. Sometimes it just bugs me. Because I want something to happen. And I, I'm, man, I'm a man of faith. I believe. And I, I'm a Joshua kind of guy. And I want things to happen. And, and God's like, okay, it's going to happen. You just got to settle down, Stan. But God, here's the Scriptures. Here's the promise. Make it happen. And God said, my schedule is different than your schedule. My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. I know what I'm doing. been around a lot longer than you, Stan. In fact, I created the universe. What did you create? Okay, God, that's cool. You're, you're the boss and whatever you say, I'm good with that for now. Until I get hyper again. <laughs> Until I get impatient again. But you see, God knows what He's doing. Amen? He's not caught off guard. And God's will will be done eventually. Amen? Now, let's talk about giving thanks in all circumstances. Let's talk about giving thanks... Now again, this is Thanksgiving meal is one of my favorite meals. I mean, every meal is my favorite meal, to be honest with you. But Thanksgiving meal is one of my favorite meals. As growing up as a kid, my mom was Korean, so we had the traditional Thanksgiving turkey. We had the mashed potatoes, the gravy, the rolls, the green beans, the, the sweet potatoes, the pumpkin pie, the apple pie, sometimes the pecan pie, the whipped cream. What am I missing? Um, and then on top of that, then my mom would make Korean food. Oh, gloria Dios, my Spanish-speaking friends. I was in a whole... It was like... And then we had like kimbap. We had bulgogi. We had, we had uh, kalbi. We had uh, 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 chapche. We had... Uh, it was just awesome. My mom made all these things. And if you've never had like mandu, we had fried mandu, mandu soup. I mean, we were like... I would get up early because my mom would start making the stuffing for the turkey. And then I'd, I'd get, get up early. We'd start making... We'd stuff the mandu. If, if you ever had mandu, man, it's, a, it's from heaven. Just give me a second. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And so, so, if you've, and so we would feast. We were like eating up. You know, my mom would fry them up while we were eating. And then, of course, then we'd eat the Thanksgiving meal with kimchi and bulgogi. Oh, kimbap, chapche, mashed potato. And then after I was stuffed... Then my brother and I would go play basketball outside, and, and I used to win most of the time. And then, um, and then we would come back in for pie. And then later on, we'd go raid the refrigerator for more food. Now, I'm thankful for that, but I'm thankful every day of my life. I'm thankful in all circumstances, because you see, there's times when I've gone to my kitchen, I've gone to my refrigerator, and there's been nothing in there. And I had no money for food for the next day or the next week. I'm thinking, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm trusting in You. We've all been there when we saw that I choose thankful when, when the, the creditors call, right? Over, overdue, past due, you owe this. We've all been there. Like It's hard to be thankful, right? It's hard to be thankful. So letter A is, how can we give thanks for the bad things? You're saying, Pastor, I should give thanks for the bad things. Not necessarily. James chapter 1. Listen to this. James chapter 1, 13 through 18 says this. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. You see, God does not tempt you with evil. Say that. God does not tempt me with evil. Never. He will never do it, okay? He will never, ever tempt you with evil. Never, ever, ever, God will ever, never, 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 never tempt you with evil. It says that, For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. 
Do not be deceived, my dear brothers. Listen to this, verse 17. Every good and perfect gift, say that, every good and perfect gift, thank you, is from where? Above. Coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. God knows our thoughts. God knows our lives. And so don't, of course, don't, don't give Him the fake, oh, I'm thankful, Lord. He knows when you're not thankful, right? Right? That co-worker, that, 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 you, those of you that are managers and bosses, you know that, that, that worker and they're always just griping about everything, how bad it is and how they don't get paid enough, you know, and you're like, and then they tell you, well, hey, thanks for my job. And you're like, you're not thankful. And we think we fool God with that same attitude, right? If we put our shirt smile, thank you, God. And the whole time we're grumbling. My stupid car, my stupid spouse, my stupid kids, a stupid church, a stupid country, stupid job. You see what I'm saying? He knows all that. Stop trying to fake him out because you're not faking anyone out, but you're, you're not even yourself. Well, Pastor Stan, it's, I have these bad things that happen in my life. Are you saying I should thank God for them? Absolutely not. But you need to say, you know what? God has blessed me beyond all measure. And if you stop griping for long enough and start thinking about all the great things, you'll begin to see there's something different. We all face, well, Pastor Stan, you don't understand. I'm going through tough times right now. I'm sorry for that, but I want you to look to God right now. Because it says every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. And he doesn't, He's not a, like one day offering good gifts and He takes them back. They're always there. You need to stop looking how bad it is and start looking how great you have it. Right? You need to look, hey, I'm alive today. Well, I'm barely living. Hey, you're still alive. Right? Well, I'm here. Well, that's awesome. You're here today. Don't thank God for the bad things because He doesn't send them. But thank Him for His goodness through the tough times. It says, give thanks in all circumstances. It's hard to give thanks when the creditors are calling you, isn't it? It's hard to give thanks when the doctor says you have this and you're in trouble. It's hard to give thanks when you get laid off. But the Bible says, in all circumstances, give thanks. Say, Lord, thank you that I'm not dead. Thank you, Lord, that I at least got laid off from a job and there's a better job. Thank you, Lord, for this illness that's going to teach me to trust in you. Amen? You see how you can change it. Thank Him for the goodness in the, during your troubled times. Look at all the great things God has given you. We choose to thank Him because He's good. All the time. Amen? We must realize that God's goodness outweighs the tough stuff. The, the next thing, letter B. Next thing, letter B is, is real thankfulness comes from a grateful heart. Real thankfulness comes from a grateful heart. Matthew 12, 33-36. Make a tree good and its fruits will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For listen, a tree is recognized by its fruit. This is what Jesus said to the religious people. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. In other words, what's in your heart comes out in your words and your prayers. And if you're ungrateful, you're complaining, you're griping all the time, that comes out in your words, it comes out in your prayer. In fact, you wonder why no one wants to hang around you. You wonder why sometimes God doesn't answer your prayer because you're always griping. If you're constantly complaining, can I just be honest with you, then you probably have an ungrateful heart. If you're always saying how unjust it is, how unfair it is, and how everyone's got things better than you, then you have an ungrateful heart. I'm just being honest with you today. 
And to be honest with you, I'm, I'm a person, I'm a very loving patient, but you know what? After a while, being around a person like that, I don't want to be around them. I run. They get on my nerves. And, and I'm a very patient person, and I can't imagine if we're like that with God every single day of our lives. And you wonder why things don't always turn out right, because you're ungrateful. The Bible says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so you've got to say, you know what? I've got to, Lord, help me to have a grateful heart. Well, I, man, I don't, I don't get everything I deserve, and, and you should be glad for that. Well, I, I'm not getting what I deserve. There's a good thing that you don't get everything you deserve. I want you to think about that. If we go to God and say, I demand justice, God, you better give me what I deserve, then you better get your soul ready. Because you're going to get what you deserve. And because God is a loving, graceful God, He doesn't give you what you deserve all the time. When you lie, when you cheat, when you steal, when you're deceptive, when you complain, when you gripe, He doesn't always zap you. Aren't you glad? Well, I, and I'm so, and I know it's, I'm so sick of the society saying that everyone owes us. No one owes you nothing. I know it's not proper English. God gives you everything. Quit griping and start living. Amen? Amen? Man, yeah, well, I deserve justice. I want justice. You don't want justice. You want mercy. <laughs> you want grace. God will deal out justice when it's time. You let Him deal with that. Amen? Amen? Alright, I better get off that because I'm, I'm about to go off in a different sermon. I better stop. Think about the grace and the forgiveness of God. Think about the peace of God and think about your future hope. That will help you have a grateful heart. Amen? Let me, let me move on. Here's just some steps in the last few minutes. Here's some steps. Here's just a few steps. Giving thanks is a habit to be learned. You have to get in the habit of it. We teach our kids, be thankful. Say thank you. Say thank you. You need to learn to say thank you. Amen? So number one, giving thanks is a habit to be learned. Giving thanks will produce joy. I guarantee you, giving thanks will produce joy in your heart. Giving thanks brings joy to the heart of the Heavenly Father. When He sees that you're giving thanks, He's pleased. And I'm going to be nice with you. He blesses you a little bit extra sometimes. Sometimes He doesn't, but He says, you know what, because you have a grateful heart, I'm going to just take care of you always. Well, Pastor, you just said that. He always takes care of us. But I think there's some extra blessings when we make the Father's heart happy. There's an extra happiness. There's joy. There's peace inside. And so, so when was the last time you went to God and you were thanking Him? When was the last time you went to the Heavenly Father's throne and you were thanking Him instead of asking your Christmas list of things that you need? When's the last time that you came in during the worship service instead of griping how dark it was, instead of griping how loud the music was, or griping about the songs, you said, God, I don't care what they're playing, I don't care how dark it is, I'm here to praise you and thank you. Amen? When was the last time? When was the last time you said thank you for your many blessings? And you could write those things down. You see, offering of thanks also brings joys to others. Now, I, don't, I know I talk about this. We're coming on the Christmas season. I love Christmas. I love Thanksgiving. One of my favorite stories is the Charles Dickens story. It's the Christmas Carol. If you've never read it, it's very short. If you've never seen it, it's, it's, you've never seen it, it's always on. And, 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 and I, I love watching that because, you know, Ebenezer Scrooge, he's like, bah humbug, right? Some of you work with him, right? Maybe he's your brother. I don't know. But, but the guy was this bad spirit and, and God had to speak to him through these dreams and through the angels and finally his heart changed. And you see, he, he began to be thankful. And when you begin to become thankful, life is different. Amen? Number two, giving thanks will always strengthen faith in the goodness of God. You see, the first step in effective prayer is praise. Praising God for His goodness. 
Go into God's presence with thankfulness, with praise. I guarantee you prayer life will be a little bit different. If you're going in mad all the time, ungrateful, wanting justice, prayer is going to be boring. It's going to be hard. The third thing, to be habitually thankful, to be habitually thankful, is to deepen your love for God and others. As you begin to know God, His love will begin to spread into your life more. The more you spend time with someone, the more you become like them. Is that true? And vice versa. So the more time you spend with God, because God's a giver, He's a lover, you'll begin to become more giving and more loving like Him. So spend that time with Him and know that you'll begin to change by worshiping Him. Amen? The fourth thing, to habitually thankful, will encourage an optimistic and hopeful outlook. We have enough negative in the world, and you can always see the hole in the donut, right? This is deep theology, right? Some of you, when you get the donut, you're griping about the hole in the donut. Then buy the donut holes. Just be grateful. Amen? I mean, you know, you know, as a little kid, you give, like you give five M&M's to one and, and, and they think, well, that M&M, and you give five to the other one, but one of them looks smaller than the other one. You're right, you're right. One looks smaller. I'm like, wait, wait a minute, this one's smaller than theirs. It started early, right? Instead of, you should say, man, thank you for the, the M&M's. Thank you for whatever you give me. Just begin, you'll have an optimistic, hopeful outlook on life. The fifth part of that is, to be habitually thankful is discover the beauty of living. You know that old saying, stop and enjoy the roses? Look at the flowers. Look at the blessings God's given you. Look at all the great things. Look at the beauty of life. Slow down a little bit and thank Him. Amen? Well, all the traffic. Well, you could be dead. You could not have a job. You could live somewhere in a van down by the river. Right? I mean, think about all the great things God has given you. Let me move on. Letter D, how to develop thankfulness. How to develop thankfulness. Begin today. Be grateful today. Is it up there? Begin by being grateful. Say, man, Lord, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that Pastor Stan gave me this sermon because I needed it. Amen? Come on. You should determine that you're going to be grateful. Surely there's something in your life to be grateful for. Amen? Yes, there is. And if you want to ask me, I'll help you find it. (laughs) But you're probably better off just finding it yourself. The next thing is we must search for things to be grateful for. You can be grateful. There's so many things to be grateful for. The third thing is this, is we need to express gratitude for even the small things. Take a minute when you're being served food at the restaurant. Take a minute when the cashier is ringing you up and look them in the eye. Look them in the eye and say, thank you. Man, I appreciate your help. Because if you've never been a server at a restaurant, you've never been a cashier, it's it's a thankless job. And they get paid nothing. Right? You should thank them. Amen? Express thanks to people. When someone opens a door for you, when your boss gives you a paycheck, well, thanks. Say, man, thank you. Amen? Thank people. Thank a parent. Thank a teacher. Thank coaches. Thank people. Just stop and say thank you. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Let me read these last scriptures to you. Therefore... We do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So fix your eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So thank God for the eternity that you have. Amen? 
the world that we're facing, the trials that we're facing, these are temporary. Amen? The last thing is this, number four, is we must search for ways to express thanks. Again, we live in a negative world. Everything's bad. How bad it is. If you search in a short time, you'll find things to be grateful for. And, listen to this, and it is God's will for you to be thankful. Pray continually. Be joyful. Give thanks in all circumstances. And then listen to this last part of 2 Corinthians 4, 7-10. I read this last. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but listen, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. God is awesome. We always carry around in our bodies the death of Jesus Christ so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our bodies. Would you stand with me this morning? Choose. I'm challenging you. Choose to be thankful. Choose to pray. Choose to give thanks in all circumstances. Before you leave, I want to pray for you. Before you leave, I want to pray for you. And then there's something at the end I want to talk to you just real quickly about. So before you leave, I'm not going to have you come to the altar. I'm not going to have you come down. But I'm going to ask you to ask God to help you to be joyful. To pray continually. To, to, to worship Him and give thanks in all circumstances. Would you just close your eyes and bow your heads just for the privacy of those around you? With every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you've talked, you heard me talk about this Jesus in the beginning, that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. I am the resurrection and the life. Maybe this morning you've never given your life to Jesus Christ and you want to do that and you want Him to be the resurrection of your life so that you can live eternally forever with Him. If that's you with your eyes closed, your heads bowed, would you just quickly raise your hand and say, I want to accept the love of Jesus Christ. I want to make Him the Lord of my life. I want to make Him the Savior of my life. Okay, go ahead and put your hands down. And everyone's hands down, those who, who raise your hand, and, and all of us in the room, would you everyone repeat after me, Dear Lord Jesus, I recognize that you are the way, the truth, and the light. And you are the resurrection of life. And I accept your resurrection in my life. Fill me with your spirit. Forgive me of my sins. I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, don't leave yet. I still have one more prayer. I want to challenge you to to ask God to help you to be joyful always, to pray continually, and to give thanks in all circumstances. And I'm going to close my eyes because I don't want to look up. And some of you are saying, Pastor Stan, I have a hard time finding joy. And you want God's help to find joy. Would you, with my eyes are still closed, would you just quickly raise your hand and say, I need help to find joy. I I need to put joy my faith and hope and joy in God. Would you just quickly raise your hand and put it right up and down. Hands up, hands down. I got my eyes closed. Lord, I pray for my friends and put their hands up. Lord, help us to know that we have a deep-seated joy, that our future is secure, our sins are forgiven, our life is set, Lord God, and you are with us always, Jesus. You will never leave us 